Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hey, this is Melvin. We're actually on break from the Selling the Couch podcast, but I thought it would be fun just to share some of the most popular episodes as well as some of my most favorite episodes from uh, Selling the Couch. We've had over 200 episodes now, and I know that for me, listening to some of these old episodes, I always pick up something and learn something new. So I hope that you enjoy today's session. Before we do get to today's session, I just wanted you to encourage you to check out the Selling the Couch directory if you haven't had a chance. Uh, Basically, the directory makes it easier for us to connect and support one another as we grow our businesses. So after you register and you sign up, you you create a profile that lets us know more about your practice, the good work that you're doing in the world, uh, the unique niches that you serve, niches beyond just a traditional DSM diagnosis, uh, groups and workshops and retreats and areas of consultation, all of those different things. And after you fill that out, um, it's actually way uh, easier than it sounds, but uh, after you fill it out, your practice gets placed on a Google map. That way, fellow couchies can find you in order to cross-refer clients. If they need a consult on a certain area, they can do that as well. Um, One of the things that we actually have been working on that I'm just like really excited about um, with this recent update is we created a custom cross-refer tool. Um, So if you look on any of these online communities, a lot of times you'll see, you know, hey, I'm looking for, you know, a clinician that that lives in this area, that accepts this insurance, that, you know, works with millennials. And so we thought, why not just make it easy and create a tool to do this? So you basically can run just some filters so you can, you know, ask questions like that. And you click just a a number of different things and you get search results. um, And it makes the process of just cross-referring a lot easier. You can learn more about the directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. And please enter the promo code podcast for your first month absolutely free. We'll get right to today's session. Here we go. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 172 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. So with these last episodes of the month, I usually like to do solo episodes. But with these last episodes, what I really like to do is just vary things up, experiment and uh, figure out, you know, experiment with new ways of doing the podcast episode. So this episode is actually really unique in that the content for this episode, first of all, the episode is a little longer uh, than the 
typical episode. So it's going to be closer to about 45 to 15 minutes, but we're going to go really deep into the topic, which is how to market an online practice. The reason I wanted to cover this topic is because one, I feel like there's a lot of conversations around online practices. Um, As you know, telemedicine is sort of the next frontier in medicine in general, but especially in our field. And a lot of folks have questions about what online counseling could look like, the liabilities around it, how do you even market, and all of those different things. And what I wanted to do was create this episode just to hopefully answer that question. So this recording is actually part of the STC directory's learning library. And so one of the things with the STC directory, um, if you haven't heard of it, about two years ago, I just had a thought um, just based on feedback that, you know, a lot of our colleagues, it's been really hard to connect with one another for cross referrals to find business consultation, and then also the advertise consultation services, and then to also connect with other clinicians that work in similar niches and population. So I developed this uh, online directory over 2016. So we actually took like 500 beta testers, did a bunch of interviews, and then I launched earlier this year in 2017. And so there is this online directory component, but the second component is actually this video library. And I wanted to take one of the videos from there. And uh, my guest today is Shelly Smith. So if you recognize Shelly's name, She was actually the guest on session 161 of Selling the Couch, where she and her business partner, Jennifer Labanowski, talked a lot about how to implement a counseling practice online. And after that episode, I got a lot of emails and there were a lot of conversations in the STZ community as well as other communities of this sounds wonderful, but what is marketing and how do I market my online practice and how is that different than a marketing a traditional practice? And so we're going to cover, we're going to go really deep. As I mentioned, this episode is a little longer. I also did something really special for you guys, which if you are a member of the STC newsletter, uh, don't worry, nothing spammy. It's just a once a week email, kind of a digest type email where I share the latest episode, some tools and tips I've learned and picked up along the way. I link to some of the top conversations in the community, and then sometimes I answer uh, reader questions as well in there. But uh, you can sign up for the newsletter over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash tax, T-A-X, and uh, you actually get a tax write-off checklist for private practitioners. But um, once you get to that thank you page, I have a little special something for you, which is this episode is actually available via video. And then we also created a cheat sheet template. Um, This is normally available for just for STC directory members, but wanted to do something special for you guys with this episode. And again, you can download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash tax. And you can learn more about the directory at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So we are covering a range of different things. And 
including not just marketing, but things like liability insurance. Um, Does every liability insurance carrier cover online counseling? How do you do client screening when it comes to an online practice? And then what has Shelley learned in terms of who it is in terms of a population that's actually seeking online counseling services? I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. And again, be sure to download uh, the Chi Chi workbook, especially because I've written down a whole bunch of notes for you, um, really detailed, and you can make highlights and there's a section where you can take notes and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get right to today's session. But before we do, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Hushmail for just being wonderful supporters of this podcast episode and just being wonderful supporters in general. If you guys haven't heard of Hushmail, Hushmail is a way that we can send HIPAA compliant, um, secure email correspondence to clients and potential clients. They have a number of really, really cool features. Um, I just wanted to highlight one of them, which is called their Hush Secure Form. And uh, the really cool thing with that is you can actually create secure web forms. And I'll tell you more at the end of the episode, but you can actually create secure web forms, um, put it on your website, and then you essentially kind of get rid of paper forms and PDF forms and uh, it gets sent to your email and everything is secure and all of those different things. You can find more about Hushmail and there's actually a a discount code there over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Hushmail. So we'll get right to today's episode. And again, you can find Uh, Show notes to today's episode at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session dash 172. Here's my conversation on uh, marketing and online practice with Shelly Smith. Hey, Shelly. Good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. Hi, Melvin. Thanks. It's an honor. I feel like this topic of starting and marketing a telemental health practice, I know this is on the minds of lots of our colleagues, especially I think, I don't know, as technology advances as even the field of counseling, you know, I think just the thought of, I don't know, I mean, for me, I know even when I was in grad school, which was like less than 10 years ago, I know that some of this stuff was coming up, but I had always thought, you know, I'm going to just kind of counsel in a, in a, you know, in a typical room and rent an office and all of those different things. Yeah, I think we we all sort of thought that. I know I did too, and, and it was relatively recent. I was in grad school too, and then this sort of exploded onto the scene. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I, I think like, I don't know if it, I, it seems like it's a combination of things, right? Like just mm-hmm. telemedicine in, in general yes. is is starting to really explode. I think there's a lot of technology that's coming out that wasn't even available five years ago in terms of being HIPAA compliant and all of those different things. And it makes it a lot easier. I mean, like I was looking at some of stuff like virtual, like uh, what's the like virtual uh, waiting rooms of like, what? (laughs) I wanted to just start by asking you, like, what made you even consider this online counseling medium in general? It's kind of a funny story. I think just over a year ago, uh, I would say a year and a half ago, I would have never even considered it. (laughs) So it's all relatively recent. And then just over a year ago, we realized that we were going to be relocating out of state Mm. to Wisconsin. And at the same time, my business partner, um, we've been in 
private practice together for about four and a half years, she was going to be relocating to Minneapolis. Um, oh, wow. Both of us were in Illinois. And so we had this moment of, well, well, how do we shut down a private practice? Hmm. And as we started exploring sort of the legal and ethical ramifications of shutting down a practice, we realized uh, there was another alternative. We could, hmm. in theory, just make our practice bigger instead. Huh. <laughs> and so we started doing our homework and looking into what it would look like to go online and continue seeing a lot of our clients and kind of bring them with us through that transition. Hmm. And then you know, continue that once we were relocated. Well, I mean, it's such a good strategy because you're not, uh, on one hand, like you're not having to then move to the state, right? Mm-hmm. Wait licensure, and then start to build a whole new client load, right? You're almost taking like what you have, like you already have your Illinois license. Mm -hmm. You have existing clients there, existing referral sources. Right. Um, So it's even if like, it's almost like a bridge. And then like what you said, like Mm -hmm. it's a bridge that leads to much bigger expansion than you ever had. And I, I didn't quite realize that I went to grad school in Indiana. And so I was licensed there as well. Um, and just never got rid of that because it's so much work to get a license. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't know that it would ever be helpful again, though. Mm-hmm. And so now it, it turns out I'm licensed in three different states. And so I'm able to provide online therapy to clients in any of those. Uh, and it's really opened up a whole new world of, of therapy options. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I often like, there's moments where I like take a step back and I'm like, this is amazing that technology doesn't restrict us to the just the physical location where we are anymore yeah, you know it's pretty incredible um i mean even because i'm in pennsylvania right and i'm in philadelphia and if i mean there's no way i could see folks in pittsburgh you know like 10 right. years ago right like i mean it's like a seven eight hour drive you know i mean maybe folks will come but you know just that i don't know like the whole format it's just it provides a lot more options it does. The flexibility is wonderful for yes. us and for clients. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you said like, it sounds like kind of this was really based on like just a need. And you yes. said you never actually envisioned yourself ever starting out. No, not a bit. I, I have to say I had a bias towards being in the room with someone. Mm. That's what we're trained to do yeah. um, and use kind of the energy in that space and, and just use um, all those therapeutic techniques that we learned in person with someone. Mm. And so the idea of, of doing it online didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> I didn't quite understand. Um, and that's why I started doing just a lot of homework. Um, mm. I think that that's one of the things that when I talk to clinicians who are considering going online, uh, I tell them, you know, look before you leave. Make sure you do your homework first and figure out what this is going to look like and how you're going to adapt and, and what sort of things do you need to know. Yeah. Uh, because for me, it was really valuable to put in that time and effort. Yeah, right. And I think you're absolutely right. Like this is one of those situations where I think like sometimes it, it's okay to like leap and then figure it out, but this is one of those situations, especially regarding licensure and what all of this is going to look like, mm-hmm. where it is good to like plan and be thoughtful. Yeah. Um, initially, when you first started out, what sort of like resources did you like, you know, find and, re- and learn like and for, to figure out some of this stuff? 
So, well, one of your pod, well, two of your podcasts, the the ones you did with Clay Cockrell, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. Selling Couch podcast, those were really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to his podcast, the online counseling podcast, mm-hmm. and that's just a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. And so I started um, tracking down resources that were listed both in his podcast and then on the online counseling directory. I used that sort of as a starting point to bounce off of. Um, and then I also luckily knew a couple of clinicians who were doing online therapy already. Wow. How, I, I know. Like, they it just, fantastic. it was like pure luck or how? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. It was, I joined like an online case consultation group of okay. marriage and family therapists from kind of around the country. And, and we do case consultation and one of the therapists in the group um, splits her practice between California and Washington, D.C., and so she does a lot of telemental health because she had to move uh, with her husband's job. So uh, in talking with her, I just started asking her a barrage of questions of what is it like and how do you do this and, and those sorts of things, and that was immensely helpful. Um, so just finding other clinicians who already do the work. Yeah, no, um, you mentioned a couple of awesome resources. So yeah, definitely Clay Cockrell is someone to definitely, his, his podcast, Online Counseling, he has an online counseling directory, which is like, you know, where clients can find that are interested in the medium. They mm-hmm. can find counselors who do online counseling. And then I guess, so. and then you found this colleague and you started asking some initial questions. A lot of questions. If you could think back to back then, like what were the, the like the, would you say like the top three questions that were like almost like hangups for you? Yeah, I think, I'm trying to think. I think they're the three big ones probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one is how do I do it ethically and legally, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of stuff around there. So I guess one of the other resources that I used, there were a handful of them, but uh, you know, the national organization that I'm involved in has ethical mm-hmm. guidelines around telemental health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's AMFT. And so I looked into that. Uh, I checked into my malpractice insurance. I checked into state statutes, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just to make sure that I was doing it legally and ethically. So was my first question about, is this even possible? Right? What, what sort of boundaries am I breaking to do this? Right. Um, and then the second question that really came to mind the most was, how do I, as a therapist, adapt mm. to doing this online? I mean, like, mm clinical skills, how do I transfer those? Yeah. Was that like a mental thing or do you think like, I don't know. I mean, I I would, I could see it kind of being mental and like practical, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it is. It's it's both, I think. And for me, I often tell people my clients adjusted far faster than I did. (laughs) (laughs) They were so much more comfortable with it. They just dove right in. You know, those clients that I get online, they just jump right into the hard stuff right away. And for me, it took a little time getting comfortable with the technology and with only seeing this much of a person Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to all of them and really sort of adapting in my own mind to some of that and how and how we were going to interact in the in the room right so yeah it was a big mental shift yeah no that's so interesting so the questions were around ethics the mm-hmm. questions were like how do you do this um yeah, any other kind of big questions i think the third one was really you know what's the best technology and, and things mm-hmm. like that to be able to shape an online practice how do i do this so that it's all 
compliant and that it's easy for the client to use. It's not complicated um, in any way and I can help them troubleshoot. So it's really questions around the logistics of it. Yeah. As you had those questions answered, I guess, what sort of surprised you the most? In the end, even though I did a lot of work and homework, it was easier than I thought to do this. Hmm. I felt in my mind there were, that these things were creating a big barrier, sort of this would be a, a huge leap, a big challenge hmm. to go online. Um, and uh, I feel that we were relatively well prepared and that yeah. helped by doing our homework. Um, but really it's a lot easier than I had anticipated that big wall and, and barrier that I had put up was really only in my mind. <laughs> it wasn't a yeah. real thing. No, I, I mean, I'm so glad you said that because I think that is true. I think for a lot of us, the technology is definitely intimidating, but it, it's this yeah. sort of like, oh my gosh, how do I translate like what we're doing into this format? And that just feels so intimidating with, you know, stable internet connections and, you know, and all of those different things. And I actually wanted to just sort of go on a small tangent, which is, uh, you said like talking a lot about like, just making sure it's all secure and HIPAA compliant. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the things is, you know, there are clinicians who've considered or maybe even are doing things like over Skype and FaceTime and, you know, and so, and those are not actually because we're not okay. <laughs> no. yeah. And why, I mean, not like to go into like any deep technology, but like what's the, I think it has, some, it has something to do with encryption, right? Like It does. They're not as well encrypted. So in theory, somebody could hack in relatively easily and listen in or record the conversation. Hmm. I think the second consideration for clinicians is that the HIPAA compliance systems, the encrypted systems, also generally provide you with what's called a BAA, a business mm-hmm. associate agreement. Mm-hmm. And that protects you as a clinician from anybody who would hack into the system or cause, mm-hmm. cause an issue. The client com- can't come after you for that. They can't mm-hmm. sue you and, and say that you did something wrong. Um, it, it would all run through the, uh, the company that you're using. Mm. that happens to be okay yeah so just so at a practical level like you know a lot of it has to do sort of with security and also our own liability yeah protection for clinicians as well as just the basic security of trying to protect the confidentiality and conversation right Mm -hmm. Um, Shelly you you mentioned one thing which is that you looked at like um, liability insurance early on to make sure it covered like uh, telemental health. Uh, was there any like, I guess, what, what do you currently use? And um, I have, I have mine through CPH okay. and they, I was surprised, but they already had it all set up and <laughs> part of uh, the system um, so that I was already covered and didn't even know it. And that's terrific. It made it really easy. <laughs> nice. I use CPH as well. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yes. So there's a whole section. I I remember, well, even actually, I I renewed mine just actually a couple of weeks ago. And I remember there was also this, I felt like there was like a telemedicine checkoff. They do. They have, and there was something else I found on there as well. So they have, yeah, checkoff thing. Um, They will protect you over multiple states because they had to Mm. look look into that a little bit. Um, And then they also have a little additional thing that you can add on for a small cost. Um, that I ultimately decided was worth it because it would protect all of my electronic systems as well. 
So I use, um, like for example, I use Simple Practice, and I, I have a website, and people can go through there and, and schedule things, or you know, I use Hushmail, you know, email systems, stuff like that. And all of those I have a BAA with, but just in the off chance that somebody were to try to hack into my computer mm-hmm. or try to hack into some other system or, or get access to my information, CPH would, would cover all of my electronics uh, and anything that's happening within there. Yeah, that's so cool. Like, it's almost like the, our computer becomes the office, yes. right? And mm-hmm. so, hopefully it's not a silly question, but do you need like a separate, like, business insurance or does that professional liability as far as i know the professional liability should cover it yeah especially since i added on this extra little writer it covers anything that happens with my computer as well so it should be covered (laughs) Um, but things are ever changing and i guess that's something about this field that's really interesting about doing telemental health is because I really have to make sure that I'm constantly checking into the legal and ethical ramifications and best practices and all of those things. Right. Constantly trying to stay up to date and relevant because it's ever changing. No, absolutely. Especially in this area, like you said, yeah. I wanted to shift a little bit and just talk about screening for clients mm-hmm. and more specifically, this medium is not conducive to every client and every presenting concern, right? So, you know, before we go into a little deeper, like kind of guide us through the process of what your screening process looks like. Sure. So for us, we offer a 10 minute free consultation. It varies 10, 15 minutes, right? Depending on how that conversation goes. And so we talk always with the client before we ever start online, just to make sure that uh, this is a good medium for them. And that includes that they are, first of all, in a place that I am legally allowed to do therapy. Right? Mm. They're located in one of the states where I'm licensed. Um, um, so uh, so they... Things. Essentially, the rule right now is they a client has to reside in the state that you have your license in. It depends on the state, okay. and that's where it gets really complicated. Okay. So most states say yes, they have to reside. The question is whether they also have to be currently physically located there. So oh, for and this gets into I know there's a court case happening in California right now around this, so this will all get hashed out I think in the courts in the next mm. year or two, but. For example, I have clients who travel for work, and that's why online therapy makes the most sense for them. Mm-hmm. Well, if they are traveling for work, uh, let's say they're out in Philadelphia, I'm not licensed there, is it appropriate if they're there for five days for me to do an online session with them? And in that regard, I have to check with both my state and the state where the client is to find out if that's acceptable. Most states allow that, but mm-hmm. it's not a problem. However, it, there are a couple court cases happening right now that may change that long term. That's so interesting. So it sounds like part of it may be also based on the length of stay, possibly, or mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's generally, uh, I think the easiest example, for example, is in Indiana, where mm-hmm. they have something that says if someone is in the state for a a short period of time, I can do, if I was not licensed there, I could do up to 10 sessions 
10 sessions, not concurrently within uh, six months or a year or something like okay. that, right? So there's, okay. <laughs> there's these like specific requirements Continue, about yeah. what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I smiled because it's like, you really do have to be thoughtful about looking at these licensure laws. And yeah. um, I would imagine there might even be some variation depending on what your license is as well. But most states that I found are relatively consistent mm. um, across the different different licenses. Licenses, okay. Um, so you started, so I'm going to actually just do a screen share because I think this okay. might be easier to sure. sort of talk and uh, screen share. So this is y'all's website, and you said what you do is you start with some sort of a consult, right? And it's 10 yeah. minutes. And so what was the rationale for doing 10 minutes or 15 minutes? Um, well, we wanted it to be brief. We didn't want it to necessarily be a full, uh, you know, free first session. But we didn't want the barrier of having somebody to have to have a full fee session with us to determine if this was a good fit. That doesn't seem ethical to me, I guess. So we decided to just do a brief conversation where we can ask some questions and they can ask some questions, um, but that we don't get into anything too detailed, just mm -hmm. enough for us to make sure that it's a good fit, first of all, therapeutically, um, just like we would in an in-person office, but also just to make sure that they're able to access um, the technology appropriately, Part of uh, the trick to online therapy is also knowing that the client holds some responsibility for therapy mm. in a different way than an in-person. Mm. So, for example, they are responsible for making sure they're in a confidential and private space, right? Mm. That's no longer my responsibility in the same way, um, although I coach them through that, but they need to make sure that they're in a space that's appropriate mm. um, and that they can access the equipment and that they can handle that, as well as making sure that there's nothing going on with them that would be better served by an in-person client okay. or an in-person therapist, sorry. Yeah, so, so there's, I guess there's like multiple levels of screening, right? So there's, yeah, there's a lot one there. is like, man, I don't, it's amazing you do this in <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I so there's what they're presenting with and then I imagine you're assessing things like suicidality homicidality that kind of yes. injury absolutely um, mm -hmm. as well as more detailed things um you know I don't want someone who is actively hallucinating or paranoid or some other you know significant mental health concerns mm -hmm. I don't in my own view, I don't think that would be appropriate online. Hmm. Um, I have some concerns uh, in regard to making sure that they're presenting, one of their presenting concerns is an inactive eating disorder, hmm. um, because I think that's hard because of the limited physical, you know, what yeah. we can see physically. Um, certain things like that, I kind of want to screen out. And then we do, if, if it's not appropriate to do therapy with the person, we absolutely will help them find someone locally mm. um, because we really want people to get connected to the services. Yeah, right. So, um, and then, so there's screening uh, at a clinical level. Mm -hmm. There's screening in terms of like technology, like, mm -hmm. and you can, are you going to be able to be in a secure place? To have these sessions, um, do you do you have any other conversations with them? I mean, any questions or anything like that you ask around, like the technology, the that piece. Well, 
most of the time there's not a lot of questions around that there's mm -hmm. just a couple just to make sure that they have a high enough bandwidth or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um mo most of the clients who are seeking out online therapy are relatively tech savvy mm -hmm. <laughs> they at least have some familiarity and comfort level with it and so more often than not they figure it out pretty quickly mm. that's really interesting so uh just shifting so there's there's that screening mm -hmm. procedure and then at the uh do you discuss fees like all of that stuff mm -hmm. as well okay. um usually briefly although our fees are listed on our website as well as um an explanation of you know that we don't take insurance and why that is uh but we're willing to provide them with an invoice or super bill those types of things right um, a lot of to be honest so much of the information is listed on our website mm. <laughs> that it becomes um, part of the conversation before we ever talk, right? Mm. And that's what we were hoping for with the website is that we mm. would start the conversation with our clients in advance of them ever meeting us or talking to us because we didn't want them to be uncomfortable uh, and we wanted them to have all really all the information that we could think of anyway that they would need in advance to make a good decision for themselves. Mm. And so we really put a lot of work into the website and in developing an online presence because I think um, our online clientele expect that and they have some higher expectations for us being online and having that online presence well developed. Got it. Yeah, no, I um I, I like like the way you're talking about it because the website is almost meant as a conversation starter, but it's also yeah. like almost a filter Right. So there's already expectations like you do online therapy. And so folks that may not be interested in that, there's it's gonna be it's gonna create the natural filters. I imagine, I mean, for the most part, that when you do when they get to that screening point, it's already people that are it is. It's it's all it's already people who are relatively comfortable with it. And so we intentionally um have an online therapy page on our website. Mm, right here. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, right there. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of the questions are answered right there for people. Mm. Uh and that really helps them understand what we do, how we do it, and whether they're comfortable with it or mm. not. And it, uh, I think, helps them sort of think through, is this a good modality for me? Is this not? And some things to consider. Yeah. What's, uh, I, uh, I, I love how you guys do this because, like, I think I struggle with this. I know that a lot of clinicians do, which is we have a lot of knowledge and then we try to, like, just yeah. throw all of it out there. But you keep it really simple. And I think the really powerful thing about this page is that these are actually like pain points or hangups that potential clients could have. And so you're actually both educating them and mm -hmm. helping them overcome sort of that, you know, like what technology do I need or how will we connect? You know, what, how do I know if it's right for me? That's a common question. Mm -hmm. So, and then at the, so as they're kind of walking through and guiding this, then you have the, uh, then you have this form that mm -hmm. goes and then they can click based on your license yep okay and then you right. oh interesting so cool you got it pretty automated <laughs> <laughs> well we yeah we tried to make it as easy as possible for people because i think therapy in itself can be intimidating to start mm -hmm. um or it could just be overwhelming it's a big deal 
and he wanted it to be as simple as possible for people. The last thing we want to do is add extra stress to their lives. Right. right. Trying to right. figure out how in the world are they going to be with us. Right. Um, does uh, this might be, so this is private pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then sometimes people use outer network benefits. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or they'll use like an FSA card or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. correct. Um, and I feel like this whole thing could be like multiple video sessions. I know, so, right? There's just I, so much information. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, well, let's maybe focus a little bit on, um, I think one of the things that like we were started to talk about was, uh, not all clients are a good fit for this medium. So in general, like what have you found in terms of getting those ideal clients? Is it mm-hmm. a matter of advertising in certain places? Is it a matter of presenting it? Is it like a certain niches or certain populations, you know, do better or? Yeah, I think, I think part of that we have a pretty good handle on, but are also mm-hmm. still playing around with mm-hmm. and trying to figure out. We have found some really interesting populations are drawn to it and that's Mm. helpful so one of the things that we've discovered is that providing online therapy means we can provide an easier option for therapy for therapists Oh, interesting! Um, because often we've had a lot of therapists searching for online therapy they don't want to go to someone for couples counseling in their in their location right especially if they're in a small town or somewhere Mm -hmm. a little more rural or where they're well connected uh in their um, in their location wherever that is and so and the same thing is true we found for physicians uh, and other healthcare Mm -hmm. providers where they're a little more hesitant they want that extra layer of confidentiality and not you know walking into somewhere that has a big sign or something on the front door. And so online is great for them. So the general theme is generally around like professions that value privacy Mm -hmm. and where they could be in touch with other healthcare providers. That's one common one. That's one one common one that we've noticed. Hmm. We've also found that it's tremendously helpful for people who have pretty busy careers. Hmm. (laughs) uh, A lot of clients, and and this is really interesting. This is actually one of the reasons I got started in the online piece was because a good number of my clients uh, worked long hours, they had pretty busy days, they were struggling with that work-life balance, and they wanted some help with that. Uh, but because they were struggling with work-life balance, they couldn't figure out how to fit therapy in. Right? Oh, yeah, so for them, it became easier to just shut their office door, or go into a conference room at work mm-hmm. or something like that for an hour in the middle of the day. Um, and then I was able to coach them figuring out how to put boundaries right, in their life in different mm-hmm. places. Um, but it was... It was really, uh, I think, helpful for them to use that as a starting point. Uh, and then we have, uh, we've found that it's also really helpful for people either in rural areas where there aren't a lot of therapeutic options, mm. uh, especially for couples therapy or family therapy, and for people who are in really busy cities. And the idea of trying to commute to get to therapy mm. would create either more significantly more expense to what a normal therapy hour would cost or that just the idea of trying to get there right on a lunch hour or just even after work 
would require another 45 minutes, right, just to get to the location and then to get home afterwards and all of that too much time for it to be reasonable to do on an ongoing basis. And so the convenience and flexibility also matters to people in certain locations. Yeah, that's so interesting because I, when I first started or first became licensed, I was part of a group practice and they had an office in Center City, Philadelphia. And I remember mm-hmm. I had several clients who were professionals. And one of the things they would always say is like, they felt strapped for time in trying to like the time to get there, the time to go back. Like, so that's a cool way to look at it because it, it reduces or actually even completely eliminates that time. Yes. And then other things like parking, if parking's mm-hmm. an issue and people have to pay for parking every week. Right. Or- yeah, it really eliminates a lot of the complications of being able to do therapy. It makes it less stressful for people all around, which is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Any other general kind of themes that you found in terms of like ideal folks mm-hmm. this is good for? In a surprising way, I found that this is really helpful for couples and families. Really? Um, and I, I didn't expect I would it. not have expected <laughs> you to say that. I was so concerned as a marriage and family therapist, right? I was concerned yeah. that that part of my work would be diminished in some way and that it, yeah. I would be mostly working with individuals. But now I do have couples and families that I work with, and so does Jen. And what we've discovered is that doing the online therapy, first of all, they have to sit closer together, right? To be able to be on the They're all they're literally on one screen. Sometimes, yeah, they're all on the same screen, which is fascinating. And it puts a little more of the ownership of therapy on them, right? Uh They really have to uh, I have to interact in a different way. I can't be as actively sort of intervening into the system in the same way that I would Mm. if I were in person. And so I'm pulled out just enough for them to have to take some more ownership over the relationship and trying to figure things out. And so it's providing a whole new level of sort of therapeutic dynamic that I'm working with. And it's really interesting. That is so fascinating. Like, I mean, just at a... I know you will appreciate this. and I know everyone watching this will appreciate this, but like the systemic impact of this medium on a family or on a couple, it's fascinating. It's really cool. Such cool like insights. So, and then any kind of final things before we sort of switch over to... I don't think so. I think those are the populations we found it most helpful to. Okay. Well, this is good to hear that I'm actually on the right track as well. Cause I, you know, I've sort of been, so I think I started with wanting to just kind of work with entrepreneurs, but mm-hmm. this whole area of like leadership, I think, especially as STC develops, like I've been, it's fascinating to me, like, you know, the challenges of being, taking on more leadership and the stress that brings. So I guess I could see it. This is a good medium for maybe other busy professionals and folks that are in leadership positions. So yeah, I think it's especially helpful for those populations. Yeah. In terms of just uh, switching over a little bit, um, next you know five seven minutes or so, <laughs> but just marketing it, marketing the online practice. Like I remember you said at the beginning, like a lot of this is like you're learning and figuring it out. But like, is it like do you advertise on like traditional online directories or what's or is it local report? Yeah. I feel like it's 
developing an entire online presence, right? Mm -hmm. So it's everything from having uh, a killer website, right? Mm -hmm. Something that is, is really great and can help draw people in mm -hmm. um, and all that SEO and all that magic. I just, I just call it magic, all that stuff. <laughs> Technology, I, SEO, magic, yes. Right? It's all of that to being present in appropriate ways on um, mm -hmm. social media, places like that. Mm. I think we're absolutely on plenty of directories from psychology today, right? More traditional ones mm. to, uh, we already mentioned Clay's online counseling directory that we're a mm. part of, um, and several others like that. There's been a push that we've had recently in doing different more traditional media that we can use on an online basis. So we've uh, you know, we've been experts in articles for different things for like the Chicago Tribune and Self Magazine and different places like that. Mm. Uh, and we're using those then in our social media, in blog posts, things like that to really you know, sort of put the credibility piece out there. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of different ways of trying to figure out online how to become more visible and more present mm. uh, and relevant to people. Our blog is something that we use pretty significantly in all of our marketing efforts. We, we've decided to just put like all of our best therapy stuff in our blog, right? So that maybe, you know, maybe people don't even have to come to us, right? We're kind of working ourselves out of a job, I think, with the blog in some ways. Um, but we, we really, but I could also see it as like a place where you're simultaneously establishing authority, screening, Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And, and being a service, right. Like all of those different things. Absolutely. So we, we've been taking, you know, all the things that for years in in-person therapy that clients keep saying, Oh, this is so helpful. Oh, this is the information I've been needing all along. This is what changed my relationship or helped in X, Y, and Z ways. And we're putting that all in the blog and then sharing that wherever we can, um, because I think that's helpful for people. Uh, and and just providing all the good information out there that we can. Right? Right. And I think I think doing good and trying to help in the world hmm. is is really, really important. And hopefully people will say, Oh, this is great. This is the magic wand that saved my relationship. I don't ever have to see you. Hmm. But, you know, that would be great, to be honest. Um, but I also know in the back of my mind, yes, it's a marketing tool also, right? And it's hmm. kind of both and it's hopefully helping people but then I know for other people it's a draw in to us because they find some credibility and some knowledge and expertise that is making a difference and it's helpful for them yeah no I think um like you said it so well which is I feel like in this day and age I forgot where I heard this but I heard this like very recently where the, the the businesses that will stand out as in this new technology space are the ones that that like are very human focused, right? Like they show a personal side of themselves. It's not mm -hmm. just another website where, you know, and, um, and I, and I don't know. And, and then even as the content itself speaks to specific struggles, it's not sort of like a general, you know, like sort of content that's, that's being created. Yeah. We want to just be really helpful to people. Mm. And it just helped make a difference in their world somehow. Um, and that's kind of the goal that we've set out is to just help people in whatever way possible. And so some of our clients, um, you know, just tap 
tap in for one or two appointments just mm. to get a little bit of help or a little bit of something. Um, and other clients are more ongoing and we're comfortable with any of that, right? Because we just want to be helpful to people. Um, right. And so that's the same thing with the blog and with the idea behind even accessing traditional media outlets and things like that that we can use online is also just to get all of the, the good out there to help people. Mm. Right. So there's... Um... Yeah, which, I mean, it's such a subtle way of looking at it, but it's such a powerful way because I found this like over and over, especially with STC, is when you come from a heart of wanting to serve, mm -hmm. the stuff that you create, it has such a bigger impact versus nice. if you're so focused on, like you should definitely focus on the business and the monetization part, but of if course. that becomes the big thing that always leads you, mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to lose heart and Yes. in all of this. Absolutely. And I feel like people come come to us because we're real people, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're real people and we have flaws and we mess things up, uh, but we're doing our best and um and we're and we're just generally caring for people and wanting to be helpful in whatever mm -hmm. way we can. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um so we we talked about a little bit about clients. Um any like have you guys done any sort of like community like referral sort of stuff and mm -hmm. any of like yeah we've we've started to do some of that um honestly Jen's done more of that because I I, I mentioned that we were uh, relocating recently and that's what, what kind of led to all this we actually just moved six weeks ago so I'm still <laughs> in the midst of a lot of boxes you know? <laughs> Um, so I am uh, starting to kind of dip my toes into that here, but I haven't gotten terribly far yet. Um, but Jen's uh, been able to, in Minneapolis, start to do a lot of that. And we, we absolutely do, you know, networking and, you know, sort of direct referral stuff. We're starting to, to get developed. One of the interesting things that we decided for her office in Minneapolis is instead of doing a traditional office, um, we rent space out of a co-working space up there. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. And of course, we had to check out the ethical and legal stuff, mm -hmm. right, associated with that. Mm -hmm. But we found that that's just so wonderful to be able to make connections, but also just mm -hmm. be helpful. Like, she's, you know, randomly talking to people, right, who are entrepreneurs or doing other businesses or different things um, and, and able to just just help them out kind of in the moment, right, and, and provide connections um, for them and referrals for them. And it's terrific networking opportunity as well as just being part of a community uh, that's really trying to do some incredible things in downtown Minneapolis. So that's, that's been awesome. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's a very cool sort of different way of looking at therapy. I guess we're into all these different ways of looking at therapy, right? Yeah, no, I mean, because, you know, for me, like on my own private practice journey, I knew uh, we, t we started talking about this, like right before we started recording, but like, mm -hmm. you know, I think sort of working with entrepreneurs and leaders, I think that's been something that's, I think has been evolving for me. And yeah. one of the first things I thought about was like, where did these entrepreneurs hang out? Like, where are they physically hanging out? And I mean, I think with, living in Philadelphia, I think we got very fortunate because there's a lot of co-working spaces. And so cool. one of my initial contacts was I went and met with the co-founder of one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. And 
And it was like, yeah, you walk into there and it's like, oh my God, this is like, this is it's my so cool. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's so cool because it's like, a, it's what you said, simultaneous community, um, mm-hmm. as well as ideal clients, like ideal referral yep. sources, all of those different things. All that, of it. Yeah. Um, I often think about like, who are the people that are in front of my ideal clients and then where do my ideal clients hang out? Yeah. You know? And, and those questions I often like just ask myself, cause I think the other thought and not that I have like some great insight into this, but like, otherwise I think we just end up trying to like send out 50 million letters to all sorts right. of different places. And, um, that's fine. But like, I think one it's time consuming and it's ex- mm-hmm. can get expensive and then that's it's that. not necessarily where ideal folks are, you know? Right. Well, and I feel like so much it's, at least for me, right? I'm in the business of being in relationships with people. I hate therapeutically and personally. Um, and that's for us, like what networking is, right? It's building re- trusted relationships with people. And so when I talk to people, it's not just with the idea of like trying to get, have them send clients, right? Or trying mm-hmm. to get clients. It's to build something long-term and long-lasting that's mm-hmm. mutually beneficial um, and that we can, you know, you know, often just enjoy each other's company in the process, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a really important thing. And I think um, it can be looked at as marketing right, and networking. Um, but I think it's all, I also look at it as just a way of being in the world, um, yeah. and developing relationships. Yeah. And, I, well, no, I was actually, it's funny you mentioned that because yesterday at like church, actually, I was like sitting by someone and, uh, and I knew that he was in the mental health field, but like mm-hmm. turned out he's actually doing his fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry. Oh, cool. And so like, then I was just like, you know, it's so cool. Like we, we set up like a, a just a cop, like grab coffee here in the next couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And I was like, and that's what it is. Like, I think, especially in this online space, like sometimes, you know, we'll go to these groups and are like, you know, what we hear words like networking and referrals and all of those. And yeah. we forget there's a, human element to mm-hmm. all of this right and so yes. it's caring for that referral source and supporting them and it's not just all about you know how can they be of benefit to me right right and i think that's where things get deeper and, and more important yeah yeah okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna switch over real quick okay. and there's some questions that came up i actually posted this in the stc Perfect. this can morning. i mention one thing real quickly melvin yeah of course Shelley. so sorry to interrupt you but i just had a moment where we were talking about this relationship piece and i realized that mm. one of the things that is so important also is to make sure that you're not doing this completely alone and I think that goes back mm. to that networking and relationship piece mm. um, or like me having a business partner that I interact with on a regular basis or mm. being part of case consultation groups because private practice generally can be pretty lonely, right? Yeah. But when your entire clientele is online and sometimes mm. you're the only person physically in your space for you know, an eight hour day, mm. um, I think it takes a toll after a while if you don't have those relationships built up too in other avenues of your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, Have there been certain things that have just kind of been helpful for you, like in finding that sort of tribe? Um, Well, for me, part of that's built in because I have a business partner. And even though she and I connect, you know, online, oftentimes, um, it's at least someone that I can 
touch base with often. Mm -hmm. I have case consultation groups that are really helpful for making sure that I'm still practicing responsibly and ethically and, and clinically um, appropriate. Uh, and then to be honest, that networking piece has become even more important to me because I'm building relationships that uh, I can enjoy the company as well as um, be mutually beneficial. And so I think I've pushed more into that relationship building piece than I ever would have before um, because it matters more now for me personally as well. Yeah, no, it's so um, one of the things actually with the, with the STC directory, not in this initial stage, but um, I actually want to create a, like a mentorship accountability buddy system. Oh, cool. You can actually like, when, so you can either do it uh, for the purpose of like business masterminding and or case consultation. Cause I think that's absolutely true because we're so as much as social media has connected us in some ways, it's also isolated us a lot too. So yeah. thanks for letting me mention that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, uh, so, uh, I'm going to tackle these questions real quick and we'll we'll see where we can go. Um, so I think we answered actually some of these. So Dwayne had this question about marketing uh, specifically for online clients, which I feel like we kind of covered that. Um, but Kevin has had a question. I'm interested in how to screen and make sure clients are appropriate, which we covered. Um, Jacqueline had this question, which we didn't actually answer, which is what is the best and most confidential program to use for online counseling? Well, I think there are a couple that people prefer. I use Doxy, Doxy Me, mm. D-O-X-Y period M-E, uh, the free version because mm. it's free and HIPAA compliant and has a BAA. Um, and I prefer it because my clients don't have to have a login and they don't have to download anything. Okay. So... For me, that makes the most sense because I just have to give them a link and then they can pop right in without having to put in any of their information. So it feels a little more confidential to them. Interesting. Um, does so, it, so does it open up in like a website or what is it? Yeah, is it opens just in a web browser. Oh. Now, if they do use um, an iPhone or iPad, mm-hmm. then they have, there's a free app that they can download, but they okay. still don't have to put in any information. Okay. Just, it still just opens up directly to my link. So um, Very cool. a little more personal now, or a little more private rather. Um, but I also know clinicians who use uh, VC and love it. Um, you know, someone who was using WeCounsel, but I think there were a few complications with that one. Um, mm. but for many people, it's still really good. I'm trying to think. I know, like we mentioned earlier, Zoom has one, but it's uh, a li- it's not the free version. It's a little little different to get the BAA. Right. Yeah, no, I have. Um, so, I mean, I've I've heard of like Doxymes is like the one that and VC were the popular ones. Popular, I, I think. Yeah, I've used. Um, I mean, I've used Zoom for like webinars and stuff. I really like the stability of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't used it for the online counseling format, but I am curious about it because I like its stability. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, let me see. And then uh, Audrey had a question is, um, and this might be a tricky question, but it's like, who do you contact to ask permission to provide services for clients abroad? So that's I'm a good question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And we've just started trying to figure that out because we just started having people abroad contact us about appointments. So we're trying to figure that out um, now. Uh, and I've had a couple different answers from different 
people. So, but they mostly revolve around uh, contacting the primary or leading national mental health organization mm. for that country is, is what I hear is often most effective. Mm. Um, and you can get a response generally faster. Um, and so that seems to be the route that a lot of clinicians go. Mm. Um, that's something that, again, admittedly, I haven't done a lot in. So I need to find out more information. That's why I'm still doing homework. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that general, I mean, it's good like to figure out what that national sort of um, aspect is. And I would, yeah, and I would think even maybe even looking at more local, like based on the degree. So Yeah, and it depends on the country. So um, I think we were contacted by someone, I'm trying to remember where it was, this was a few weeks ago, and it wasn't to me, it was, it was to Jen. It was someone in an Eastern Africa country, I believe, and there were some regulations, but not a lot. And so it would have worked out just fine. Um, I also know places uh, like in the United Kingdom, there are a lot of regulations around that way. So you have to be really careful about what you're looking at and where the person is located. Right. Is there sort of a central like database or anything that you know? Is that? No, there is. For the United States, um, for state licensure, um, there's a legal team that has put together one for for each of the different states, uh, and that's helpful, Um, but always changing, of course. (laughs) But internationally, I've not found anything where you can go and get that information. Got it, which I think, uh, again, speaks to the importance of trying to do this in community and not, you know, not trying to do this alone, you know. Um, and Claudia's la- uh, Claudia had the last question, which is a great question as well, is how do you market to an entire state? <laughs> That's a good question. Right? <laughs> yeah, so we market to entire states in a few different ways. Uh, one is through the online counseling directory. Um, and uh, psychology today allows... Uh, you to put in like locations near yours or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if you remember, but in in there you're able to do it. And and so I don't know I don't know if, this, if they would really like this if they paid attention to me. But I put in there you know my primary loca- address of course, and mm-hmm. then I also put in um, large cities that were like 200 miles away, but still in the same state, right? right. Yeah. Um, in the hopes that it would then tap into those as well mm-hmm. um, through Psychology Today. We've used some specific like Facebook and social media ads that where you can uh, target the location mm. um, to specific locations. So you can kind of pick places across the state, right? Um, but I also think that there are ways if you're looking for a specific population uh, that's your ideal client to really target that. So I know for a lot of online clinicians, um, they may be looking at uh, rural communities or they may be looking at other things like that and you can tap into whether it's maybe churches in different different places you know from a larger scale level um, and and go down because they have a lot of connections usually across the state if it's in a denomination or something like that Um, or any other it's sort of thinking through like where are the clients right and who are they and what 
resources tap into them and, and how do they go and get information? So it's kind of thinking just on a broader scale, similar to what we would do on a local level, just a lot bigger. Yeah, right. And it sounds like it, even as you think about the marketing, it has to sort of be, sometimes you're going to do it more like at a state level. Other times it's these sort of micro niches or yeah. micro populations or even so. cities within in terms of the marketing. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Um, Shelly, let me actually turn this off and then uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about um, about the, the practice. And then I know you're doing starting to do some consulting and yes. supporting clinicians who do yeah. online practices. So definitely tell us a little bit more about that as well. So uh, our, our practice is United Counseling and Wellness, and we provide individual, couple, and family therapy to obviously online, but also in person in Minneapolis um, and soon to be in uh, the greater Milwaukee area where I am now. Um, and we provide uh, online therapy for Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. So mm. those four states, we kind of cover the gamut. Um, and like I said before, a lot of our, our clients center around some of the ones that I mentioned to you in terms of really busy professionals who need that online flexibility um, or maybe some systemic work, couples, family, or just trying to figure out that work-life balance. Mm. Um, we also have a lot of therapists and physicians as clients because they want that extra layer of confidentiality mm. and they don't have to go to somebody local. Um, and this Okay, so the consulting part I'm really excited about, <laughs> but we're just getting our feet wet. Like right now we're doing our homework in terms of figuring out the ethical and legal issue, you know, what do we need to set up and what things do we need to pay attention to. Um, but we've had a good number of clinicians reach out to us and start asking questions. And so we've been doing that. I feel like informally for about six months at this point finally decided to just uh, you know take the leap at some point and, and make it more formal consulting being able to really help clinicians integrate the online work into their current practice or as a separate practice whichever they prefer because some clinicians want to do strictly online and other clinicians really want this to just be in addition to their in-person work so they can have the flexibility of seeing clients in multiple ways. So, so if, uh, if, if colleagues are interested in that, would they just, um, would they just go through the United Counseling and Wellness blog or what are? Yeah, the they can go to um, tryucw.com, which is, which links to our website. Um, so tryucw.com. Or they can email Jennifer at unitedcounselingwellness.com or Shelly at unitedcounselingwellness.com. Probably the easiest way. We feel really um, comfortable talking to people about it and answering any questions. And if it's just one or two questions, we'll just answer it. <laughs> you know, we're pretty, we're pretty loose and, and comfortable like that. Um, but if somebody wants more detailed information, then yeah, we'd be happy to, to set up. You know, a session or several sessions of consulting, whatever, whatever they need. We just try to fit people's needs. Awesome. Um, Shelly, thank you so much for doing this. I, it's, uh, it's amazing how, like, we've never connected before. And oh. this online, like, <laughs> format allows us to connect. And so cool. I don't know. I just, I, I was sitting here, like, reflecting and just thinking about our conversation. It just made me so excited for, like, where the field is going and the, just such enormous potential. I mean, to be able to serve so many more people and then also grow our businesses and 
like atypical ways, you know, where, I mean, I think many of us start practices for a sense of freedom and to focus also on family and self-care and all those things. And this format, I mean, the fact of like, you know, like there's so much location independent potential with this. Yeah, there's so much potential. And thank you. I appreciate you being able to, uh, you know, kind of help clinicians in this way and get things started because they... Yeah, they need to learn how to do it appropriately, ethically, and I'm excited about the value it can provide to people's lives. Yeah, no, you're so welcome. Uh, Thank you again. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shelly. I know that this episode was a little bit longer than the typical episode, but I'm hoping that one, it's encouraged you and it's motivated you and just given you a different idea of what it might look like in terms of marketing and online practice. And uh, there were just a, a couple of things that I wanted to just highlight based on that conversation. One is just thinking a lot about who the online audience is. So Shelly mentioned a number that she's noticed. And again, this some of this could vary, but I've actually found very similar sort of overlap. So the ones that she mentioned are therapists and other healthcare providers. So usually these are folks that want to value privacy. And so, for example, they might not want a therapist that's local. And other ones are professionals with high-level positions, so CEOs, CFOs, as well as ones with busy careers, so folks that maybe cannot get out of the office that readily, that have to sort of be present, but, you know, they don't, time is very finite. So um, the next one is people in rural areas without good therapeutic options. The next one is people in large cities where the commute can be really costly or it can be really time-consuming, even if just to get to the office. And then finally, people seeking couples therapy and families. That was the one that honestly was very surprising to me. But Shelley's rationale was that families have to sit physically closer together to join those sessions. And by doing that, it actually puts a little bit more ownership of the therapy on the family. And you get to see these sort of interactive patterns or interactions in a different way. Again, uh, show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session dash one seven two. And again, uh, we're actually getting ready to do a small private launch of the STC directory. And you can learn more about the directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. And if you would like to download the cheat sheet workbook, as well as a video for this episode, which I've never done before, you can download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash tax. And if you're a member of the STC newsletter, I'll send that to you this weekend. And if you are listening way down the line, you're like, oh, Mel, I missed that email. Don't worry, I'll put it on the thank you page. And that way you can always reference it and uh, and go from there. I wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can, again, download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Core School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the cohort launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Have a great rest of your day and uh, take good care of yourself. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey there, hope you enjoyed today's podcast session, and especially if this is your second time listening to this podcast session, I hope that you've picked up just a a new level of insight and something that helps you on your private practice journey. As I mentioned at the beginning, I will be back with new episodes very soon, and before we wrap up again, just wanted to encourage you to check out the Selling the Couch directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Um, I actually wanted to use this time just to talk a little bit more about not just the directory, but what we're doing and what my big vision for STC is. You know, as Selling the Couch grows, uh, what really weighs on me is how do we use um, our influence and how do we use the resources? And for me, how do I steward well um, all of what I'm creating. And so we're actually taking 50% of the profits from directory sales to create a scholarship fund for kids who have been rescued from brothels in the commercial sex trade. Um, When I was a grad student, I um, was very fortunate to work three weeks in Bombay, India with the NGO and with social workers in Kamatipura, which is the largest concentrated red light district in the world. Um, It's the largest red light district in Asia. And uh, I spent three weeks there, um, spent uh, a day right in the heart of the the red light district, um, going into brothels, with um with with the social workers um doing lots of education on everything from hiv aids um all the way to uh trying to figure out what what some of these workers the challenges they were facing and i spent the majority of my time about five hours away um helping at a school where the kids of these workers um were were and uh just to teaching different classes, uh, getting to spend time with them, reading bedtime stories to the little ones. And f- uh, ever since all of that happened, I just have always felt like, man, if I ever get the chance to do some big things in the world, I want to make sure that uh, everything I create uh, leads to something way bigger than me. And so, um, and fortunately, selling the couch happened and now the STC directory is happening. And so this is where... Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we can dedicate our time and our resources, and I really have some big plans as we go forward with this. Again, you can learn more about the Selling the Couch directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Be sure to enter the promo. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.